Hello. Hi. Hey. Welcome to Platicast, an audio collage that's as processy, creative, intuitive, and messy as its creators. As queer Chicana traviesas, we're here to reclaim our voices, our process, and our coyote medicine, and we invite you to step out of the realm of the ordinary and take a deep dive into the mystery of what wants to be. Podcastlandia, this is Marta. Welcome back and thank you for joining Jeff and I as we review another episode in the Sandman series out on Netflix. In these episodes, you'll be hearing from Jeff, who has a long history and familiarity with the Sandman graphic novel series. You'll also be hearing from myself, who will be watching this show with fresh eyes. So gather around the virtual campfire as we dive into another episode of The Sandman. All right, so episode two. All right, welcome to Dreamtime. Was under the impression that these were hour-long episodes, and I don't recall if the first episode was an hour, but this sure felt its whole 37 minutes long. Yeah, I felt like like the whole thing was like an introduction. Mm-hmm. I was waiting for the rest of the episode, but the, then the end credits rolled. But there's so much more we need. Right. I mean, that was just like a little appetizer. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what it felt like. I don't even know where to begin. That it was just so a little jarring in a weird way. It was, yeah. I think it's, it's interesting that um, we're getting hints about how dream operates mm-hmm. how the nightmares operate we saw the the corinthian both die apparently get disassembled mm-hmm. reassemble in the dream realm right and then say forget that and go back yeah which i did not know he could do yeah it's like how do you kill a nightmare but apparently he i don't know if it's that easy to go for a nightmare to go to the real world the yeah. waking world then uh yeah it makes you wonder why they they like well, all of them don't well apparently without dream yeah more and more but so that's interesting that we know that he can't really be killed mm-hmm. he'll just come back um it's interesting the line about um when lucian was asking why he doesn't seek out his siblings for help <laughs> and we saw more of that very dedicated scorpio energy that you talked about yeah. <laughs> where it's like yes they didn't come to his aid and he's definitely going to do it himself. And it kind of seems like he's going to hold a grudge forever. So that's interesting. It was interesting to see the hierarchy that even though we were told in the first episode that the endless are higher than gods, mm-hmm. it's interesting that there's still a respect. He had to follow particular rules when he went to see the fates. I like that how in the mythology, all of these different beings have their stations for what mm-hmm. they do the fates have their powers and dream had to go to them dream doesn't dream is endless and he's the lord of dreams but he still has his limitations he has to go to someone else who has their powers and right. 
So that's very neat. And and yeah, the idea about going to his siblings for help, it's like, because they have different powers, they could have helped, but he's got his Scorpio energy. That was very interesting. Yeah, that whole thing that you mentioned, right, about not not reaching out to help, not reaching out to them for help and how they did not come to his aid, right? They didn't come and help him at a very big time of need really stands out. I'm like, oh, so even in the endless, like there's sub sibling rivalry, apparently. Uh, siblings are always going to be siblings, I guess. Right. And how they each have their own, did he call them kingdoms? Yeah. They each have their own kingdom to, to deal with. Right. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't going to be bothering them. Right. And it's interesting. Yeah. We've seen him very much an individual and when Corinthian was talking to um, Lucian, mm-hmm. he was saying, yeah, he doesn't care about you. He doesn't care about any of us. He right. cares about him and his kingdom. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is that very solitary standoffishness about him. Right. Which is kind of something that we see in a lot of stories that the main character has to learn how to um, divest from themselves. Mm-hmm. It's interesting too the the idea that um, Cain and Abel are such striking characters that they are who they are. One is going to continue being a murderer, the other is going to continue being a victim. That's their story. That's what they do. And the idea that when Abel is explaining to Girving slash Goldie <laughs> that um, that's just who he is. That's mm-hmm. an interesting idea. That yes, in the Corinthian is mm-hmm. he was destroyed. He's going to go back. He's going to cause problems. That's just who he is. Yeah. And Dream is who he is. Right. But the main characters, the heroes, we need to see change. We need to see them evolve. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting. um, That whole idea, like, well, is the evolution that we're going to see Dream do? Him uh, reaching out to anyone else? Looking for help? As we know, he's looking for his sand, and then he's going to go to hell. Yes. To get his helm back from a a demon. Yeah, the... um the hyper-independence, right? Is that going to shift or not? I don't know. So when Corinthian was telling Lucien, like, yeah, he doesn't care about anybody but himself, I really immediately was like, "Mm, that's not true. Because he really seems to care about people in the waking world and not wanting certain things to happen to Mm -hmm. them. And so there is, I feel like there is this caring that's there, but it's, it, it feels more like duty, right? Like it's my duty. That's a good way to explain it. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, there's just something really interesting about his his character it, it's like i don't feel any warmth from him whatsoever and uh, this actor i mean if that's the intention is doing a really amazing job mm-hmm. at, at putting that out there 
and and yeah and and it's interesting because like yeah like like you do believe that he felt really bad that he had to dissolve gregory yeah. to take his power back oh that was hard that was such a hard scene to watch that was it was hard for everyone watching it mm-hmm. and then he left another egg mm-hmm. for a new gargoyle right of course it's not the same but it's like that that's what he could do he knew yeah he could try to make that right so yeah it's it's interesting that there is the Yes, he's aware of all these things, but it's like, um, it's interesting to know, like, like to look at a character that, that's just such a pillar, that's so steadfast. It's mm-hmm. like, well, yeah, what does shake him up? Right. Shooting his bird shakes him up. Yep. Being lied to, or <laughs> not so much lied to, but... Uh, imprisoned, bullied. Imprisoned, uh, somebody not being um, uh, helpful to him. Right? People sending mixed messages. Not taking a side, standing around, just letting things happen. Yep, all of that. back in when he went into the waters you got the crossroads and a noose the snake and the egg and the crossroads he needed to summon the fates the fates yeah but i didn't and and the serpent he he gave to them right Mm -hmm. gave the egg to to uh cain and abel but i don't i didn't get what happened with the noose Okay, be- because it's a little hard for me to see with a mm-hmm. visual. It, it, I wonder if the noose is connected to the crossroads, because crossroads mm-hmm. are a place where traditionally a, lo- a lot of hangings took place at crossroads. Mm-hmm. Um, so it might have been the location that might have been the same as the crossroads. It might have been considered the same. Huh. Um, the crossroads and the noose would be the location that he needed to, to do the ritual to summon them. I'm curious that the crossroads, did it appear as like, was it three roads coming together as one or was it four? Four. Okay. Or two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's how you look at it. But yeah, because originally like with Hecate, the, um, the crossroads were, were three roads that came together as one. Mm-hmm. So crossroads had, you know, three paths you could go from and Tecate's cauldron <laughs> ha- has three, three feet to represent the she is the cross, right. crossroads goddess right. but it's interesting that um yeah crossroads now we consider be, because of christianity you know we consider them mm-hmm. four paths that you can go on and that that ties in nicely with the the cardinal directions and um romans were sticklers for building their um cities based on you know they would draw a perfect right crossroad the four Cross, in, crossing paths in the center and build out from there. So like very nice straight lines. Mm-hmm. But yeah, originally it was three lines, but yeah, I was just curious about that. Well, um, you know, and it could be a mandala effect for me, you know, just assuming and just 
superimposing that in there. So it'd be, I think it's, it'd be curious to see that, look at that scene again and see, was it, was it uh, four or three? It would be interesting, but yeah, I suspect it was probably the four. Yeah. I think that's what, what's, that's what's better known. And that, that's mm -hmm. what we see in, in our um, mythology and folklore. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a beautiful imagery to see the, the three, you know, maiden, mother, crone imagery. And we couldn't let them be too um, too friendly looking. The snake, accepting the snake kind of reminded us that, yeah, they're weird and be very careful. That's one thing I love about the way Neil Gaiman works in mythology, mm. that um, rules are very important in mythology. Mm -hmm. And yeah, when you deal with the, these mythological beings, you have to be very respectful. You have to mind the rules because magic works particular ways mm -hmm. and, there, and respect is always a big part of it. So it's, um, yeah, it's neat that we get to see so many because he's dream and he can go anywhere. It's neat that we get to see so many mythologies interact with each other. Mm -hmm. It's like there's there's no one true religion in in dreams and in a mythology. Right. It's like everybody's in there. Everybody's part of the the subconscious, and so that's really neat. You really don't know who you're going to run into. And it's interesting the um, the woman who disappeared after after stealing the helm and the bag of sand and the ruby. Mm -hmm. Um, it's really interesting that the, the scene where she, where we, where it looked like she ended the Corinthian, it's really interesting that she said she doesn't need his power or his tools right. because she had her own. And that's really cool because we don't know what she is. And it was interesting when she went to see her son mm -hmm. where she stopped in front of this door. And I was wondering, like for a minute, it reminded for just a second, it reminded me of the vampire thing. It's like, can she not cross the door until she's invited? Because mm -hmm. it looked like she stood and waited until the whoever was opening the door kind of bid her to come in. Yeah. But yeah, I don't think she's a vampire. I don't. Yeah, it was like a security door of some kind. Okay. Yeah. Okay, well, so maybe that's just my poor eyesight reading into things to, that didn't happen. Well, and there's something I didn't quite catch it, but when they were telling him... Um, when they were telling Dream about where his tools were, um, it looked like the the helm was you was being worked with, and a demon took hold of it. But then it showed this little amulet, and that's the amulet that Ethel or Miss D was wearing when she dissolved um, Corinthian. Oh, that was it. Yeah, but I don't quite. I'm gonna have to watch it again to see. Wait, what was? Where did that come from? At least that's what it looked like to me. I could be wrong. Hmm. Yeah, that was a little like. Wait, they just they showed that earlier. Yeah, it's like gold and green. 
Well, neither of those are particularly rubyish. No, no, no. And so ob- there's an obvious storyline with her. She's something's going on. I don't mm-hmm. know if she's in cahoots with some demon, right? Um, and Johnny, for whatever reason, is in a mental hospital. Yeah. And who knows if that's that thing, you know, that people, when somebody has information on you and so they just uh, conveniently label you as crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, so nobody believes you. I don't yeah. know if that's what's going on. Yeah, because she had told the Corinthian, and of course we don't know if it's it's true what she told him or not. But but apparently, well, whatever was going on with her son, his damage, whatever he was suffering, was supposed to be a result of the the ruby. Right. But yeah, we don't know what that means. We don't know if that's true or to what degree. And did she say he took the ruby, and the ruby took him? Yeah. Because yeah. the 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 fates had said. That it was passed down mm-hmm. from mother to son. Yeah. So those are two very different stories. And then when she told her version of it, it made it sound like he died. She was vague about it. Right. But, but it would be easy to assume. That yeah. That's what my she assumption was, was like, oh, he died, right? But this is a whole different. If he is, you know, uh, uh, mentally unwell, then that is another way of, of interpreting taking someone, right? He's not who he used to be, but um, I don't know. That's, That's a big question mark still about what's going on. When we, when we got to the scene with uh, Cain and Abel, mm-hmm. um, you mentioned House of Secrets, House of Mystery. Yeah. What are those? Those are um, those are comic books that they they were like each issue would have a few different stories in them, and they were the hosts. Mm. It was the same time that Tales from the Crypt came out with oh, Crypt Keeper and right. the Old Witch, who hosted by the Old Witch, and mm-hmm. um, so yeah, they they were just two more comics that um they were the hosts you know what i find so interesting is that this character dream is so strong right Mm -hmm. and mm, has some sense of duty Mm -hmm. and some fidelity to his own morals right Mm -hmm. of how things should be and yet he said that without his tools he doesn't know who he is I found that really interesting. Yeah, I, I remember when I when I was first reading these, mm-hmm. when they were they were coming out. We were still waiting for one one issue to, after another to you know this, everything was evolving one issue at a time, and we really wondered. And like to me, that that's um well, like 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 people who like to do have their magic rituals. You know, it's always seemed. Right. Um, like some people don't believe they can do their their medicine work unless they have their particular rattle or their particular crystal or a, a particular kind of incense or whatever. And it's like you're diverting the power into your tools. Mm-hmm. And I remember back when this when I was reading this originally, it's like I wondered, you know, I thought that was so odd that he would 
what is it about this particular mythology that means that he has to put his power into these tools? Because that's his essence. Right. That he's separated somehow into these tools. Mm -hmm. And that is addressed in the comic books. And I, I won't go, oh, okay. I, won't, I won't say anything about that now. Okay. But that was something that really I thought, well, that's 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 messed up because you you've made weaknesses here. You've made liabilities. It's yes. like yeah. But again, like 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 when people are doing their medicine work in, in real life, you know, it, it it's like the power comes from you and it, it's easy to reach for tools. And mm -hmm. that's a good first step to have tools to help you. You have your rituals, you have your steps where you do mm -hmm. things. But when you get better at what you're doing, you get a little bit more effective at realizing where, where the power is coming from, where that energy yeah. is coming from, and, and you don't need to channel so much with the tools around. They're fun. I love right. tools. I love gadgets. But but yeah, I mean, if, if like, if you're at a bus station and there's something terribly wrong going on, you know, it's frustrating if you feel like, well, I need to go home and I need to get my tools. I can't do anything here when the power is really, mm -hmm. hopefully you have the understanding that it, well, yeah. it comes from within you. Because at any point, the, you know, you're separated from your tools and you're left pretty powerless. Yeah. Such is the case here. Yeah. And that's a very Dorothy um, thing, right? Yeah. You've li literally given away your power. Yeah. It's like you... It was within you the whole time. Right. <laughs> Is this where, you know, and of course I'm like, is this the lesson for the sand yeah. or for, for, for dream? The power was with you all along. Yeah. I didn't want to ruin it for you until you like Glinda blows in at the last, last <laughs> issue. Right. Says it was within you all this time, Morpheus. were coming out you know comics have a format they have a specific number of pages so you you pace your writing like that and when you're working on like you know classic tv you had an hour to fill or mm -hmm. you had a half hour to fill you you had rules we don't have rules anymore so um yeah each each episode can be as long as they want i think i think on one hand it's like yeah this set the length of this episode being so short shook both of us. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I love that when you're reading a book and you get this big long chapter and there's so much going on in it. And then the next chapter you, you read that and right. says, for a long time, nothing happened. Yes. Nothing continued to happen. Right. That's a Douglas Adams reference there. And, and, and then it's like, and then that's the end of the chapter and you're like, Okay. The pacing is wonderful because it screws with you. It really yeah. gets you into like the story and you're like, oh, wow. Oh, okay. Yeah. Things are different. Mm -hmm. And that's neat because it just reminds you that, yeah, life doesn't have rules. Life doesn't have a set. Everything happens and is wrapped up nice and easily in an hour. Yeah. So that that's kind of cool if they have the freedom to do that. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I, I would hope that every episode is going to be longer than, than this one, but I don't know if it's a matter of pacing. It's wonderful that the author can take as long as they want to. Because a lot did happen in this episode. We got a lot of neat little clues and we're still left right. wondering. And that's kind of a neat trick to keep us, you know, chomping at the bit. Mm -hmm. we, we want more. Um, yeah, I'm very curious. So I don't know. I mean, I hope it's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. But as a plot device, it's a good one. We'll see, I guess.
Thank you for joining us as we review another episode of the Sandman series. If you'd like to continue the journey with us, subscribe to the podcast so you can stay in the loop of new episodes when they're released. If you'd like to check out Jeff's work, you can find him at jeffworks.com. That's J-E-F-F-W-E-R-X.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, please go to our channel on Anchor. You can find us at Platicast. That's P-L-A-T-I-C-A-S-T and click the message icon. Or you can find the link in our show notes. Thanks for listening, and we'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions, or if you'd like to share your thoughts, hop on over to our website at platicas.com. That's P-L-A-T-I-C-A-S-T dot com. Or send us an email, platicas at gmail.com. Ha 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 ha.